Podcast One Production. Your morning agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 13th of January. A setback for Australia's COVID-19 vaccine program, with some of the nation's top scientists calling for a pause on the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine amid concerns over its effectiveness. The Australian and New Zealand Society for Immunology says based on the current trial evidence, the AstraZeneca vaccine should not be widely rolled out because it's only around 62% effective and won't lead to herd immunity. The other vaccines by Pfizer and Moderna that are now being administered across the US and Europe are more than 90% effective. The Therapeutic Goods Administration is not set to approve the Pfizer vaccine until the end of the month, whereas Health Minister Greg Hunt says they will also evaluate possible side effects, including on pregnant women. The Therapeutic Goods Administration, that's Australia's medical regulator, will assess the advice from the vaccine manufacturers and make a definitive decision on that. So we don't have a final position yet. There are growing calls this morning for a national approach to our border shutdowns during the COVID crisis to give struggling businesses and the embattled tourism industry certainty. But speaking on Seven, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has defended her tough stance. Now, let me say to some of the tourism operators, it is not business as usual. We know things are different at the moment, but we are in a global pandemic. So... If uh, they're unsure, they should have a look around what's happening to the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. Look at the UK. They have had three lockdowns. This one is very severe because this UK variant strain um, is highly contagious. Now, uh, the, the tourism operators should think about what that would mean to their business if this UK strain was running rampant in their particular region and everything had to be shut down. They would lose millions of dollars. Overseas now, and US President Donald Trump has declared a state of emergency in Washington, D.C. after the U.S. Capitol riots as fears grow of more violence in the lead-up to the inauguration of Joe Biden. Meantime, Mr Trump has met with Vice President Mike Pence as moves continue to remove Mr Trump from office before he leaves the White House in eight days. The embattled leader breaking his silence overnight. On the impeachment, it's really a continuation of the greatest witch hunt in the history of politics. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. This impeachment is causing tremendous anger, and you're doing it, and it's really a terrible thing that they're doing. For Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to continue on this path, I think it's causing tremendous danger to our country, and it's causing tremendous anger. I want no violence. That was US President Donald Trump. Meantime, the FBI has warned of armed protests across the US over the next few days, with reports Trump supporters will again storm government buildings. Here's US political journalist Steve Clemens on the project. I fear snipers. I fear uh, bombs. I fear people that are experts in in military uh, manoeuvres. Um, doing something on Inauguration Day. House Democrats say a vote on impeaching the president is set to take place tomorrow US time unless Mr Pence invokes his constitutional powers to eject Mr Trump from office. 
A 34-year-old Australian man has been arrested by German authorities, accused of operating the world's largest illegal online marketplace. The site, known as Dark Market, had nearly 500,000 users, while prosecutors allege more than 140 million euros of cryptocurrency was exchanged on it. And Indonesian Navy divers have recovered one of the black boxes from an air jet that crashed into the Java Sea with 62 people on board. It's hoped the flight data recorder will be able to give investigators some clues as to what caused the Boeing 737-500 plane to nosedive in heavy rain just minutes after taking off from Jakarta on Saturday. For a look at what else is making news around the country this Wednesday morning and a war of words has erupted yet again between the states on how they're handling COVID-19 as it centres around two words, suppress and eliminate. The WA Premier has been attacked for telling New South Wales to eliminate COVID-19. Our Perth reporter Adam Hemmings has the details and Adam the debate has turned quite nasty. It has, Tash. That's because the national pandemic strategy is to suppress the virus. Mark McGowan is now feeling the heat over that recent commentary on how it should be handled and his use of the word eliminate. But he says suppress or eliminate, it's the same thing. It's just semantics. This is all just semantics. I think people are looking for you know, differences in words. The New South Wales Premier says anyone who thinks we're going to eliminate the disease doesn't appreciate what the pandemic means and that state leaders have signed up to zero community transmission. South Australia remains off-limits to New South Wales, with the state maintaining its hard border. The state's decided to keep restrictions in place a little longer, at least until a meeting of public health officers takes place this morning. Our reporter Sean Maynard has the latest from Adelaide. Yeah, SA has decided to keep travel restrictions with New South Wales and parts of Queensland in place for the time being. Now, that means anyone coming into the state from Greater Brisbane will have to quarantine for 14 days. The state's Chief Public Health Officer, Nicholas Spurrier, says Queensland Health is still collating test results. What we have based that on is the number of people that have gone into quarantine, and Queensland has done a very good job getting, as they understand it, all of the close contacts that they've been able to find and also so um, quite a large number of casual contacts into quarantine. Hard borders also in place with New South Wales, but top tennis stars like Serena Williams and Rafael Nadal are getting an exemption. They'll be able to jet into Adelaide for an event later this month, provided they follow some strict quarantine rules, which include daily testing at their own private Medi Hotel. And police have now charged a man after a woman was tied up and held at gunpoint at an animal shelter in Melbourne southeast. Our reporter Hannah Sly is in Melbourne with the details. Thanks, Tash. Overnight, Elaine Warren Man was questioned by detectives in relation to a shocking incident where a young woman was threatened with a gun while working at the Lost Dogs home in Cranbourne West. The 44-year-old is facing kidnapping, false imprisonment, aggravated burglary, armed robbery and firearm offences. He's said to appear in Melbourne's Magistrates Court this morning. As part of the investigation, police also executed search warrants in Lang Warren and Caram Downs, seizing three firearms. Detective Senior Sergeant Glenn Cruz says the offender had the wrong idea about the facility. He was asking about where the cats are stored and um, talking about, you know, um, he doesn't like that animals are killed, seemed to sort of have the belief that, you know, potentially animals are um, treated in a cruel way and potentially killed at the premises. 
the latest in business and finance news. We're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. And Scott, good morning. It's a new year, but trade tensions with China are continuing. And this time, it's the Australian government knocking back a Chinese buyer. Yeah, Tash, good morning. We kind of thought we could leave 2020 behind us, but its tentacles are still reaching into the new year. This time, the, the AFR is reporting an informal ban by the Australian Treasurer on Chinese companies buying or investing in Australian businesses. Now, this one, ProBuild, is actually, by the way, listed on the South African Stock Exchange, but it's an Australian-based property developer and builder. And effectively, the government's saying, nope, you guys can't have any. It's a, a Chinese state-owned buyer who would otherwise have done the deal. And it seems to be the latest, probably not the last, but the latest move in the ongoing tensions between Australia and China. Scott, we've seen massive gains for Bitcoin, but we've also seen a couple of falls. This is really interesting. It's been one of those stories, Hush. It's been a few years since Bitcoin was really at the top of the headlines, but 2020, for everything else it bought us, was a year of massive gains by Bitcoin, up five-fold in the space of 12 months. That was a pretty impressive gain, and of course, the Bitcoin bulls were out in force. Over the last week, though, it's lost about a quarter of all of that value. So it went up to about 50-odd thousand Australian dollars at one point, giving back a quarter of that over the last seven days. And this is really, I mean, this is the story of Bitcoin. It has been for its whole life. If you're a Bitcoin bull, you had a great 2020. Unfortunately, 2021 hasn't started all that well with some big losses. And Scott, the Aussie banks are the second best in the world at being fined. <laughs> We like to punch above our weight in Australia, don't we? We like the we uh, Olympic medal count. We do it on per head of population. We, we try and make sure we look good. And this time, the Australian banks have outdone most of the rest of us uh, by actually being the, the country, the, the banking system, that has the second highest level of fines during the previous 12 months. Now, we know, of course, the Austrac scandal, the money laundering scandals. We know that the bank bill swap rate stuff. So much bad news for the banks, really since the Royal Commission. And as I said, we took out the silver medal last year when it came to the amount of fines paid by any banks in any country. As I said, we're a tiny country, 25 million people, but the second highest level of fines in the world. Yeah, extraordinary. And look, there's been a lot of people doing it very, very tough during COVID, Scott, but there's been some great wins for other businesses, people doing lots of things at home. They have. So we've seen plenty of, uh, of growth with you know, online commerce. We saw the Kogans and the Temple and Websters of the world do well. Office Works and Bunnings, as we all kind of got stuck into those home projects. This is one that I didn't see coming. This is a left field one. The Shaver Shop. Apparently, sales are going through the roof because we're all getting rid of our lockdown beards. As we go back to the office, personal grooming kind of goes back to the top of the charts. And we all went back and took, <laughs> took some uh, liberties with, with the Shaver Shop products. So lots of beard trimmers and razors and all that kind of stuff that goes with that. And they're having a fantastic end of the pandemic, or hopefully the end of the pandemic, as we all uh, get back to ship shape and get back to uh, the office or prepare to let others see us for the first time in many, many months. Back to reality, Scott. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Tash. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett Steve Smith has responded to those allegations of cheating in the third test. Yeah, they're pretty strong allegations. Good morning, Tash, weren't they? Mainly coming from uh, people over in England like uh, Michael Vaughan, Darren Goff, even Brenda Saywag getting involved. A little bit of a storm in a, in a teacup. Steve Smith has a few quirks and one of them is he likes to shadow bat, even when he's not actually batting and he's in the field. He was mimicking how Rishba Pant uh, might bat at the SCG during a drinks break. And uh, the stunt camera picked him up, uh, scuffing the mark of Rishba Pant, which basically they, they leave a little mark with their foot on the pitch uh, to work out where the stumps are behind them. Obviously, they, they can't see them. So that meant that Pant had to 
to redo that and and that sent to social media into overdrive and mainly from overseas as I said, and a lot of accusations that it wasn't in the spirit of the game. But it's really just a, a quirk of Steve Smith, one of his many quirks, and and uh, and he said as much and said that he was shocked and disappointed uh, by the savage reaction to that uh, out of the, the third test, which was a wonderful test and went down to the final day's play. So much controversy in cricket. Britain also talking about the cricket. Both the Aussies and India have key players in doubt for the series' deciding fourth test. Yeah, we'll start with the Aussies and Will Pekoski, who looked really good on debut, 62 in his first knock, 10 in the second innings, was fielding, uh, diving for a ball at mid-wicket and uh, hurt his shoulder. Scans revealing yesterday a partial dislocation. So in uh, some doubt, of course, that tight turnaround with the fourth test starting Friday at the Gabba. Cricket Australia says they'll give him a couple of days to recover. Doesn't look great at this stage, but we will see Marcus Harris waiting in the wings perhaps to open. He'd been in really good form in the Sheffield Shield, or maybe they move uh, Matthew Wade up to open the batting again. Travis Head comes back for the fourth test, but we'll wait and see over the next couple of days. In terms of India, well, they've had a lot, a lot of injuries. It's really been survival of the fittest for them. Of course, Virat Kohli going home for the birth of uh, his child. Now, Jasprit Bumrah, who's uh, bowled more overs, more balls than anyone in this series so far, he has an abdominal strain. So he is in uh, severe doubt for the fourth test. Ravi Jardasia, their spinning all-rounder, will miss with a fractured thumb. And they've got a few sore bodies as well. Um, So, yeah, a lot of injury concerns in the India camp ahead of the the Gabba test later this week. And, Brett, this is interesting. The Aussie Grand Prix Chiefs are trying to put a positive spin on the event being postponed because, gosh, it was a disaster last year, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's why it has been postponed. Of course, normally it opens the Formula One season in March. Instead, it will move to uh, November, starting from November 18 with the race held on November 21. And we can't have a situation like we did uh, last year where we've got fans turning up at the gate. We already had some teams arrive and then it's called off at the last minute. So they've made the decision to postpone the race now. And uh, they're hoping the positive spin is that more fans would be able to attend. If it was held in March, certainly uh, the amount of fans let into Albert Park would be limited. Now, hopefully, fingers crossed, by November, uh, the pandemic is at, at least uh, long behind us by then and more can uh, can get in. So late November now to uh, for the Australian Grand Prix, Bahrain will instead uh, open the F1 season. Who knows what the future holds, Brett? Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details now around the country for this Wednesday morning. Brisbane, partly cloudy today, a top of 29 degrees expected. 29 degrees also on the way today for Sydney, mostly sunny. Mostly sunny also for both Melbourne and Canberra, 32 degrees for Melbourne. And gosh, another hot one on the way for Canberra today. As I mentioned, mostly sunny, but a top of 35 degrees expected today. Late showers and 27 for Hobart, partly cloudy, 28 for Adelaide. Sunny and 34 for Perth and a shower or two expected with a possible storm and a high of 33 for Darwin. It seems moderation is the key for everything, including screen time for our children. A new study from the University of New South Wales has revealed children who play video games or surf the net for four hours or more on a school night are less likely to do well in NAPLAN literacy and numeracy tests. But the research shows reducing that time to just two hours on a school night actually improves their NAPLAN scores slightly, with time spent reading websites and solving games said to be behind the benefits. 
And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.